This is Stacy Eldridge. Welcome to Captivated. This world vies for our attention in a thousand different ways. But the most important thing, the preeminent thing, the essential thing is to give our attention to Jesus. Hello, friends, you cherished ones of the living God. Stacy here, and it's already March. <laughs> okay, just slow down a little, please. God just needed to slow down a little. I am so happy to be in the studio today with my dear friend, Gaylene. And before I start asking her questions, I wanted to share a story with you that I, I share at Captivating. I have a friend named Gaylene who was encouraging me to go ahead and get my mammogram. You know, mm -hmm. you know how those are described as making a cup into a saucer. <laughs> and I was not looking forward to it. But Galen says, we're going to have fun. We're going to, let's bring like, we'll bring like satiny jammy tops and we'll celebrate. We'll go out to P.F. Chang's for lunch there afterwards. Yeah. So I go, yay, let's do this thing. Okay, with you, I will do it. So we go, we do, we have a, actually a great time. We had a good time. Go out to lunch. About a week or two later, I see Gaylene. I go, I just commented, so did you get your letter? And you said? No, I did not. I got a phone call mm. that I have to go back. Yeah. So what Gaylene got was a diagnosis of stage three cancer and the battle for her life. So I am so happy to have as my guest today, Cancer Victor. Thank you. Gaylene Gardner. Welcome, Gaylene. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Gaylene, in your life, and particularly in your cancer journey, you learned so much, so, so much. So um, actually, what I'd like to begin with today is what did you learn about coming alongside someone who is suffering? You know, there's some... Um, really practical things that I learned. Uh-huh. And I've had a chance to be alongside several of my friends mm -hmm. besides what I learned from myself. But I think some of the things that are just down-to-earth, woman-to-woman helpful are to just look for everyday things that you do for yourself that you could do for someone else. Because cancer treatment is so exhausting on every level. Mm. So I think the thing to remember is that when your friend is going through the treatment or the whole process, surgeries, treatment, you just need to think about what you do every day that you could take off her plate mm. because it is so exhausting. The physical is exhausting. The mental is exhausting. The emotional. And she really needs to save herself for herself. Yes. And for her immediate family. And so I had friends that literally bought crickets every week and brought them to the house so I didn't have to go to the pet store. <laughs> and <laughs> to that feed is the lizard. Sorry. Why, why are yes. there crickets? Oh, yeah. I, yes. It was a special treatment I did. You know, <laughs> cricket, <laughs> cancer cure. Um, and another friend, we, you know, we had three boys, three teenage boys. So another friend every two or three days said, do you need milk? And I never had to think about milk because she made sure the boys always had milk. Oh, goodness. So there's other things besides meals that you can do. Take their car and put gas in it. You don't even have to take their credit card, you know? Wow. So just little things that are helpful. 
make their kids lunches. If there's a mom in your kid's classroom, just say, I'll send two lunches every day. So she doesn't have to think about some of those things and she can save herself for really important things. Like I never missed a soccer game or a wrestling match. I missed a lot of other things because my friends came along and went grocery shopping or brought me milk or crickets. And that was that was life-giving to me, and that was really good for my kids, I think. Yeah, and really particular to you. Right. I right. really love that because I know it's easy to say, because we don't know what to do. Right. I'll say, um, let me know if you need anything. Right. And I know that when um, when I was recovering from hip replacement surgeries twice, and I loved people saying that to me, and I knew they meant it with all their hearts. Right. But it was difficult for me to call and ask for help. Right. Or to ask for something like, can you vacuum the basement? Oh, oh never, or, never would I ask. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's very practical. Yeah. Yeah. You just don't want to be that petty because you think, oh, it'll take her an hour to do what I could do in 15 minutes. Right. But you can't do it in 15 minutes. Mm. So that's super helpful. And then I had a friend that brought me a big basket with little gifts in it, one for each day I went to chemo. Oh. And they were like socks or a lotion or a funny hat or just some little thing that made that morning slightly more bearable. And that was just fun. Um, Dave Dravecki and Jan have a ministry called Endurance uh -huh. that they have a package that you can order online that they will send to a cancer patient, and it's got an encouragement Bible and Dave's book in it and just a whole box of good, encouraging things for cancer patients. And that's something you can do for someone who's far away. Oh, that's great. You could order it for them. You can order it online. They send it, and it kind of just shows a little bit more than a card. But cards are good. Cards are great. Gift cards are better. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of fun socks. Yeah. Like cozy little, those fluffy ones, you know? Yeah. So those are all good things, I think. And then we had a friend who came from California to visit Gentry, my husband, for the weekend. Uh-huh. And he was like, everybody's focused on you, rightly. But uh, he just came to do dinner and fun stuff with Gentry and kind of build into his life and pour mm -hmm. into him. And, mm -hmm. you know, so just. Do people do that for your sons as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I Well, I was homeschooling a couple of them. One woman took uh, my youngest son three mornings a week to do his homeschool. Wow. Uh, the soccer team was making a trip and they made sure my middle son could go with them, even though we couldn't. Yeah, people were very good to, you know, the youth pastors would come and take them out and just look for things that are helpful to their hearts, which helped my heart. Oh, thank you for that. I, I For listeners, I hope that that's helpful because I really wanted to know, like, what, what can I do that's tangible? It sounds actually really simple. But so hands-on, such great ideas. Yeah. Thank you. It is. And I would say a couple warnings. Yeah? Um, don't make promises of things you don't think you'll be able to do. Okay. Like, I'm going to call you in six weeks and see how you are when everything is settled down. 
or we'll do this when you're a little bit better and then you never hear from them again. It's better just to do it when you can yeah. than to say, uh, we're on, girl, and then yeah. then you can't. And that's okay, but it better to not say it. Yeah. And also, I think, now my cancer was 17 years ago, mm-hmm. so things have changed. Yes. My experience is not going to be somebody's today. Mm-hmm. Even my friend, um, I was six months behind her in our diagnosis. She had, she and I had different anti-nausea medicines. You know, wow. things change. So yeah. maybe you don't give a lot of medical advice to people. <laughs> Oh, that's so gentle right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Or, you know, there's a berry that grows on the north side of a slope of a mountain in Ethiopia. It's in Hawaii, And actually. it will cure you. And, okay, maybe it will. But any advice you give, just open-handed, gentle, leave it on the table. They can take it or not. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I remember when our dear Craig was going through his battle with leukemia, that that was part to navigate because people with their good hearts. Right. You know, yes. If you find something you think is going to help, you absolutely want to share it with the person. But I I love the, um, the posture. Right. Yeah. Just leave it. Mm-hmm. Just offer it and leave it and no judgment or pressure. There's enough pressure. Yeah, that's that's good because there's also so many different treatments and so many different right. ways to go. Right, and yeah. they they may be exactly the right thing for one person and not the next. Good. Okay, Grace. Grace. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kayleen, in addition to you having experience of people coming alongside you, you have come alongside a lot of people women particularly, going through their own suffering and even walking with people up to the doorway to heaven. Um, I would love, if you can, to share some of those stories with us. You know, you don't expect your life to be exactly what it is. No, you don't. Or your expertise to become what it is. Uh, (laughs) And uh, it was in... Uh, 1995, when I first met my friend Barbara, who was diagnosed with breast cancer, and she fought for five years, and I was very close to her and and uh, was able to be with her, like you said, all the way to mm. the doorway. Mm. And then it was just five years later when my friend Leanne was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and she... Because I had been so much with Barbara, yeah, um, I knew the doctors. I knew how things worked. So we got even closer going through her journey. Mm. Six months after her diagnosis, I got my diagnosis. Wow. So Leanne and I walked as friends. And, I mean, we walked it together. We (laughs) Even went to the plastic surgeon together to talk about mastectomies and reconstruction. And Mm -hmm. he was like, I have never had friends come in (laughs) (laughs) together to talk about. Oh, But, you know, that she was just ahead of me. And then I started improving and she continued to fight. Mm. And um, she fought for five years. And um, I was very close to her. Throughout that time, there were several more, but last year, um, my friend Maria 
uh, finished her five-year battle or six-year battle with ovarian cancer. And we, too, had been close. Mm. But because she knew what I'd been through with Leanne and Barbara and other people, you know, I was able to just be a little closer. You know, I knew to go to chemo when I could. And Uh. I knew to, to do certain things. We were kind of had a whole nother level of understanding and intimacy. I remember once you telling me about, like, you and Leanne talking at night, you know, just at all hours if one of you was in more pain. Right, right. And then that you, I never knew about the burning that comes with chemo. Right. There's this kind of bone marrow burning sensation, mm. like in the cartoon where they light the fuse and then it goes to yes. the rocket. Yeah. And you feel that go all the way through your entire skeletal system. Wow. I mean, it's really hard to explain, but we knew, you know, we were going through it together. Uh-huh. And so there was just a, an understanding that you just have with each other. Yeah. But I learned a lot from them. Yeah? Yeah. Can you think of, share any stories of that? Well, I learned that laughter actually is the best medicine. <laughs> You're good at that. I do like that. Um, I found Maria was particularly into llamas, and I found like this two-foot battery-operated dancing llama on a <laughs> leash. On a leash. <laughs> and it plays music. <laughs> so she's in the chemo lab, and she's, you know, dozing off, and I walk in with this music playing and the llamas <laughs> dancing, and it was just, it's actually one of my favorite pictures of her is oh. her hugging her llama because... It was just fun. Oh, I you know, love that. find ways that are fun. Uh-huh. Uh, one of my friends, after she died, the family found this letter that said, Dear family. Where'd they find it? In her computer. Oh, okay. But it was never finished. Oh, it just said, Dear, Dear family. family. So she had started to mm. write, and she was a writer, and so you knew she had something she really wanted to say, but just wasn't well enough to finish it. Yes. So I was able to say, like to Maria, when we knew we had a few years, I Uh said, I'm not saying you're not going to win this battle, but prepare for the day that maybe you don't. So while you feel good, write those letters. You know, handwrite what you want to say, because by the time you really go into hospice and know that you don't have a lot of time There's too many drugs, and you're too tired and too much pain to do those things. You said handwrite. I think that's a treasure, Mm. even if it's something like recipes. Oh, yes. Whatever's important to you. Yeah. Like if you want to leave your favorite recipe that your kids love, handwrite it for them. And maybe they won't appreciate it. Yet. Ever. (laughs) Or ever. ever. (laughs) But yeah, just things I think that leave a part of yourself. You know what? I think that's really good advice for everyone wherever they're at right now because you don't know. And it goes along with the thing of say the words, speak your love, say what you see, don't hold back. Right. I found a letter that my father wrote me when I was, how old? Probably four years old. Oh. He was a traveling salesman, and somebody that worked with him had a catastrophic heart attack. And it really sobered my father that you just don't know right. how many days you have. 
So he was moved to write all of the children letters. Oh. And then as we got older, my mom asked, do you want to rewrite those letters? She, she held on to them uh-huh. for him. And he said, nope. So it is an enormous gift. And a couple years ago, it was tucked away. I found it. And it says, it's addressed to my darling Stacy. Oh. I know. It means yeah. so much to me. Right. You know, the advice about listening to my mother, to everything that she taught me, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe not the best anymore. Right. But, but the love behind it. Right. I mean, it's a treasure. That it called your name. Yes. And spoke. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I have a journal that I keep. I only have one granddaughter so far. Uh-huh. But. She lives in California, and I don't get to see her very often. So I'm writing a journal to her. Oh, wow. So that when she's 18, I don't know where I'll be. Yeah. You know, she'll know who I was, what I thought of her. Don't tell. It's a secret. That is such a good <laughs> good idea. Yeah. Yes. Um, I have a precious sister-in-law who also had multiple sclerosis. So she was bedridden mm-hmm. a lot. Mm. And I learned a really good trick with her, which was anybody can do a foot massage. Mm. So that's another thing that I found to be really comforting and helpful to people is to just take a bottle of lotion and massage their feet or their hands or their arms. And even when Leanne was dying and people were in the room, I would just sit at the end of her bed and lotion her feet and she would smile. And then when it was done and annoying, she would shake her head and I'd stop. Uh Uh-huh. You know, think about what actually feels good to you. And then maybe your friend can't ask for that, but just offer it. Yeah, that's so good. When my mom was in the final weeks of her life, friends came over and they gave her earbuds for listening to music uh-huh and they made they were like this really soft kind right and she she just loved that right yeah so you had even more to say to give advice to people walking alongside someone that's dying and we were talking about this and you said something about like how how are you with the families cuz you are this is you're talking about really close friends so there's a level of intimacy that if you have it, you can do these things. Right. You know, I think you really have to come with open hands and a very open heart. Like, I would like to offer this to my friend. Ah. But once the family starts getting closer and emotions run high, yes, you may or may not be able to do that. Yes. And so you, you have to understand that you're not the most important person in this scenario. Right. And like we said, make sure early on you say to your friend everything you want to say, because towards the end, it's not about you. You may not even get to be there, but you need to have your offerings and maybe they'll be able to receive them and maybe they won't. Right. But it's okay. Yeah. And respecting the family. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, after my friend Maria died, yeah, the day after, I texted her daughter and said, I can come and sit with you. I promise not to talk, but I will come and sit with you and just hold you. 
And she said, no, thank you. I said, okay, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And I promised not to talk. (laughs) And about 20 minutes later, she said, okay, come. And that's what I did. I just tried to sit. I just cried with her, just held her, didn't have grand counsel or, you know, just to be present. But I just offered it. Yeah. And it was actually quite beautiful. Really a treasure to me, that moment. Mm. You know, and I'm also hearing it in that, Gaylene. Because I want this this to be a little instructive because we need it. Right. We need it. Um, We've talked about what ideas of what you can do. What are some things you shouldn't do? Well, (laughs) I like to say that I don't know what those are because none of my friends have complained, (laughs) but they're all in heaven, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) They've forgiven me. Um, I did one time really regret one thing I did. Okay, more than once, but my friend had not probably opened her eyes in 24 hours. Uh Uh-huh. But she also wasn't letting go, Mm. you know, and you hear that, like, what are they waiting for? And it was time, right? So I got on my knees and I held her hand and I said, it's okay. It's okay. You can go. We've got the kids. We'll be here for them. Her eyes fly open with this look of terror every mother knows, like, where are the children and what's wrong? (laughs) What do you mean we've got the kids? What do you mean you've got the kids? Who's got the kids? I felt really bad. But yeah, so, you know, you do the best you can. (laughs) You do the best you can. And um, something that I was thinking of, because again, out of our good hearts and our wanting to soothe people, some things will come out of our mouths that aren't actually helpful. Right? Not, we've got the kids. I think that's right. funny. <laughs> and I do still have the kids. I've even got the grandbabies now, but yes, that's not what she heard. What I'm thinking of is for the family afterwards. Um, as much as it's true that they are in a better place now, mm. sometimes or always, it's just not the thing to say. Or, um, oh gosh, the the whole, you know, God needed an angel. Oh, please don't say that. Yeah. They're not an angel. Yeah. So. They're not floating. No. They're not just sitting on a cloud, singing eternally in a soft and strumming anonymous heart. place. So what are they doing, Gaylene? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they're so... <laughs> they're so whole. Yes. And... um. My friend Maria, I found out she was going into hospice on a day I didn't expect to. Uh-huh. So I didn't really have time to pull my theological heart together. Uh-huh. And when she told me, I just said, oh, my gosh, you're going to see Jesus. And you're going to see Leanne. And you're going to, and I just started, you know, and it wasn't, uh, it's not in a doctrinal book on how to respond. You know, it was right. just the the wholeness, the restoration, the beauty, all those things, they really are. And it's true, the pain is gone. Yes. You know, that's true. Right. Um, I do have one resource that I really like. Yeah. And that is Anything by Randy Alcorn. Yeah. But he has a book on heaven that is real and theologically correct. It shatters a lot of our misconceptions. Mm-hmm. John's book on all things new. Yes. Oh my gosh. 
you know, that it's not this soft, fluffy fantasy heaven. It's all things new. Yes. What you love, what you desire, what makes you happy here is new and better and whole Mm. and not broken. No. And yeah. And the people that you've had to say goodbye to. Right. You get to say hello to. Right. And there are all the things you find beautiful in them are complete. That's so good. I remember when Leanne was passing and we were still praying, you know? Right. So contending for her life. And then you called me and you said, she's perfectly healed now. Yeah. Yeah. And she is. Yes, she is. And she is. Didn't you show up with the book? Which which book by Ready? Oh, the Heaven book? The Heaven book. Yeah. When I came to Maria's house with this book and her daughter, who's in her 20s, was like, no, I don't want to see one more book about heaven. But she said, you know, I know what Gaylene has been through. Yeah. So I'm going to trust that this is a real book. And it has never left her side. Oh. I mean, it's been not even a year. But to her, she was like, finally some serious answers, you know. That's so good. Yes, that book is excellent and all things new, really yes. to hold on to because it's a doorway we are all going to walk through, right? And to diminish the fear of it, to make it something that we long for and hope for and right? look forward to. Well, don't you think that's the whole tactic of the enemy? Yeah. Is I'm going to make them think this is the best there is. I'm going to camouflage what they have to look forward to so they don't want to go there. Right. And, and take away we're our hope. Robbed. We're robbed. Right. And they're robbed. And our hope is rooted in the truth of the goodness that's coming that Jesus right. won for us. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been just going back to that very simple verse. If I go to prepare a place for you, mm. I will come again. And I learned it in the King James, so. And receive you unto myself. Mm. You know, it's not hidden deep in some prophecy in the Old Testament. Jesus just said it. Yes. I will prepare a place for you. Okay. I want that. (laughs) Exactly. And you know it's good. Yeah. Better than we ever imagined. Like, don't, it's not saying don't imagine, you know, that scripture more than you hoped or imagined, but it's like, imagine as big as you can. It's better than that. Right. Gaylene, I see that you have another book with you. I have fallen in love with these every moment holy liturgies. So good. So good. And there's in volume two, it's all on. Suffering and mm-hmm. death, dying, being alongside people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot for patients. There's a lot for caregivers. But I found this liturgy for the beginning of a bedside vigil. Mm. You know, you, you fight and you pray and you hope for a miracle. And my friends, oh my goodness, they fought so valiantly, all of them. My mm-hmm. sister-in-law. You know, five and six years. Yes. But there is a moment where you know the fight is over. Uh huh. And this liturgy, this prayer is kind of a really beautiful way to prepare your heart for that time when you're going, okay, now God's in the process of completely healing. Mm, yes. I'd love to hear it. This is just a little bit of the end. Okay. Oh, Lord. 
Let my small offering of loving kindness rise like the pleasing prelude of a lone instrument voicing the fragments of the grand melodies soon to be joined. So multiply your mercies through me that my devoted service in these coming hours might bear the strains of that better song, anticipating and flowing forward toward an eternal symphony of relentless divine love which will soon embrace and surround your child, raising and drawing them from their present distress and into a place of eternal flourishing and delight. So let the small acts of embodied worship I offer this night echo the emerging theme of those glories to come, bearing bright witness to your dying child that this threshold of their death has already been claimed by the compassions of their Christ and forever broken, reversed, transformed, rebuilt, and remade into a threshold of life. Ah. Yes, God. Yes. It's really a journey of life to life. We say from life to death, but it's from life to, to life. life. And you get to sit at the threshold or close to the threshold and be with your friend and just offer whatever you can. What an honor. It's it sacred is ground. Honor. It is. It really is sacred ground to get to be alongside someone. You know, you always have to just be ready for that threshold, mm-hmm. for um, where God has for you. My friend Maria, she fought so hard, and COVID came along, and I couldn't see her. And one morning, I woke up, and I was, doggone it, I'm going to her house, and I'm taking flowers, and maybe I'll just have to see her through her door, or she can look out the window. Uh-huh. And I drove up. I put the flowers on the porch. I texted her. There was no response. So I drove away and thought, well, at least I did that much. Yes. And I got a text and she said, come back and come in. So I did. And she was there to say, we just got back from the doctors and there's no fight left. This is the end. We're entering hospice. And I was just so grateful that I thought was my rebellious spirit that was tired of being separated was really the Holy Spirit saying, I want you on that porch at that moment at this time. Mm. And I think actually it was compassionate to me because I didn't know what I was going to find there. I thought I was just going to get to show love to my friends. Yes. And it was one of the most sacred, holy moments to get to be with her and to hug her. And that was the last time on this earth I saw her. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that God gave me that moment and that he orchestrated every detail about it down to the moment. Yes. And it was, it's a treasure. It is. So what I hear you saying is you didn't hear the audible voice of God saying, go now. Right, right. What you felt was just an unction, a a compelled, I just have to do this. Right. And you paid attention to it. Yeah. Aileen, thank you. Thank you for sharing with us today. I know there's so much more you could say because you actually shared about three people. Right. 
but I know that you have, it's, it's a ministry that you didn't ask for. I know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, like I said, you, that's not the vision you think your gift is going to be, but it's what God's brought me to. It's a beautiful one. That's where I am. It's beautiful. Friends, bless you today, wherever you are in your journey, whether you are a person who needs people to be walking alongside of you right now, or whether you are someone walking along someone else, bless you. May Jesus be very, very near. And even in this moment, be revealing to you more deeply that he knows, he understands, and he is with you. Bless you till next time.